but certainly for me, on the daily, I'm like, I have this critical voice that says, mate, you're not enough. Your kids are all over the place. You haven't done a million things. Da-da-da-da-da. Hello, and welcome to the Parenthood Pod, where our lives and stories aren't perfect, but very real. I'm your host, Leonia Kidanor, and every week I will bring you conversations that aim to smash the stigma on struggles we face as parents. Let's begin. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm joined today by my sister, Michelle. Uh, She's actually the reason why I have a podcast. Uh, So Michelle is the founder of The Peers Project, which is a leading Australian uh, podcast agency. So Michelle, welcome. Thanks so much for having me back. We had you on season one, episode one. You have always been there right by my side. And um, season one, episode one, when I had no real idea where this podcast was going to head, but all I knew was that I had to give the people my real story. Um, and funnily enough, that was one of our, it is our most listened to episodes. So um, if you haven't heard that one, guys, go back to episode one. It kind of gives you a bit of an overview of, you know, who the hell I am, you know, my relationship fails and all the way through to having babies and the challenges that I had in the early days and, um, yeah, why I started the pod. What I thought would be good today, and I'm uh, fortunate to have Michelle back as sort of a part two to that episode, um, let's talk about where things are at for me now. I mean, I've got a four and two-year-old. I'm certainly, you know, as you all are, experiencing my own challenges with that. And um, so, yeah, I thought I'd bring Michelle back on and let's hash it out around, yeah, my challenges. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me back. And I just, to see you flourish with this show and just, I guess, you know, see the brand build and the community build has just been so cool to watch. So kudos to you, Lee, for, you know, sticking out at 65 episodes is no small feat. Um, so it's always nice to hear that, you know, the best episode or, you know, it's not a surprise, but that most listened to episode was the episode about you. So let's continue the conversation. I guess my first question is really around, you know, what has been the hardest thing about your parenting journey kind of post children? Yeah. I mean, there's a few things that come to mind. I think, I mean, as you know, being my sister, but also I mentioned this in episode, uh, the last episode that we did, I like certainty. I like control. I like structure. And I think one of the hardest parts is just the lack of certainty and control you have on the daily. Like you may wake up with all of your game plans as to how that day is going to roll out and you wake up and your child's sick. So guess what? You have to stay home. You have to look after your child. Your day is completely thrown out the window. And I just think, I mean, it's what we experience on the daily. I mean, I more most recently have experienced a fracture. So my little um, Charlie two-year-old has fractured his leg. And again, like just so many unexpected things that just throw you for six. And I don't know, I feel like if you're a more chilled personality, maybe you can kind of be a bit more fluid with how you go about things and it doesn't sort of rattle you. It rattles me big time. And then I just get super overwhelmed when I haven't factored those things in. I think that would be probably one of my hardest ongoing challenges. <laughs> Poor Charlie with his leg. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that is just beyond. But no, I think, you know, I think so many of us can relate to that. I guess getting comfortable with that uncertainty, how have you gone about doing that? And I guess 
you know, what can, what can you share with us as to what's helped you over the years? I mean, look, this podcast has helped me <laughs> just knowing that I am not alone in all of my challenges and worries. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I went through a really not, I wouldn't say bad period, but sort of tough period about a month ago. So we had a, you know, bout of gastro, then we had the fracture and everything, you know, work had ramped up. I was feeling like a bit all over the place, a bit playing catch up with the podcast. Like there were just so many aspects to my life that were just, I was finding really challenging. And I just, so I experience anxiety on the daily, but it definitely peaks and troughs based on my external world. So I would say that that was a massive peak in anxiety and literally to the point where I remember I was trying to get out of bed in the morning and I was like, I'm just so anxious to face the day. Like I can't even, It's it was different to depression. And I, I mentioned this again in the episode we did um, previously when I had pre and postnatal depression, it's like you wake up in the morning and you just don't want to face the day. I think with anxiety, you wake up in the morning and you're just like completely overwhelmed. And like, I just can't, like, it's almost like you're buzzing already. And you're just like, everything just feels like a combat, you're in combat status and you never kind of feel grounded. So I was, yeah. So during that time where it really peaked, I, for me, exercise is a big thing. So like trying to get out in the fresh air or doing like my little dumbbell exercise at home when I can just to break up my day. And and I know that's hard for parents because we're all so busy, but you know, I think, you know, for those experiencing the tougher times, really carving out, even if it's 25 minutes, just you know, just whack out a few dumbbell hits and, you know, move on with your day. I don't know. For me, that really helps. Um, I also lean on, like I do, um, be a, I don't know what you'd call it. She's not really Reiki, but I guess that spiritual sort of coach every now and then when I'm really struggling and I sort of touch base with her and I find that helps. So again, I guess to those people find the experts that sort of work for you. I did have a psychologist for a number of years as well, but now I'm kind of going down a little bit more that spiritual route. But I think it really is just when you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling out of control. It's just taking that step back and going, okay, I need to do me a little bit now. So where can I carve out a little bit of time, you know, to, to allow myself to read that book or see that, you know, expert or whatever it looks like. It can be so tough to do me when you've got so much going on, as you mentioned. You know, for you, if you think even about the jump from Noah to Charlie, the one to two children, you know, where did that mum guilt play a role during that time when it came to you carving out time for yourself? And kind of how did you navigate through that? Yes, Mm. it is so hard. And I think with, look, with baby number one, it was very much learning the parenting gig, right? And everything's new and breastfeeding's new and all, you know, breastfeed or, you know, having no sleep is new and all of those things, right? But by baby number two, you're kind of like, in the early days, you're like, I've got this with baby number two. At least that was my experience. The juggle was the toddler plus the baby. And my boy's 18 months old. And so I feel like Noah, who's now nearly four, was still a baby when I had Charlie. And so I think in one word, I would, you know, it would be chaos. It was just absolute chaos from one to two. And I think a lot of people say that. I'm like, I feel like I've just given birth to like a tribe and it's like one extra baby. So look, yeah, massive challenges around trying to carve out even, I don't know, five minutes on the toilet to yourself, let alone like going for a walk alone or doing anything on your own. It it was a real challenge. 
Two kids are no joke. And for those who have more, freaking hat off goes to you because I don't know how you do it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I just, they're so cute. It's so funny for me as an auntie. I just see their faces and they go, oh, but they're so cute. But there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. I want to track back a little bit to this concept and this discussion that we had earlier around anxiety. You know, in the early days, you did have that pre and postnatal depression. But as you mentioned, anxiety is that different thing. You know, where do you think your anxiety has stemmed from for you and how, in what ways has it played a role as you've become a mum and, and, you know, as a parent now? Like, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think they say a lot of your um, feelings and, you know, values and, you know, behaviours are formed from the ages of zero to seven. So, you know, as you know, our parents worked very hard um, during our childhood years to to build a business and, you know, really provide for our family. We, we, they had nothing to begin with. So I think just naturally living in that environment where there's a fair bit of stress and anxiety being experienced by the adults in the household as children, you do sort of absorb that. And I'm mindful of that as well because I feel a level of guilt when I am anxious. As much as I try to put on a front with Noah, you know, Charlie, I think far out, I hope they're not picking this up because I did pick up on, I guess, the environment in which I was brought up in, right? And you pick up on the good things and unfortunately the bad things too. So I think um, that's where it probably stemmed from my, as a child, wanting to do the very best I could in what I had on my plate to appease my parents who were undergoing a fair bit of stress in trying to build a business and provide for us. So what that meant for me was to try and excel at in my career, oh, sorry, at the time it was um, at school or, you know, at the sporting, you know, activity that I was subscribed to, to succeed as a child and get the ribbons and get the A pluses. Um, you know, I felt that's the best thing I could do um, given, you know, our family dynamics. So um, with that comes stress, but also I think absorbing the stress in your household as well. Um, yeah, it potentially, you know, that gave me this learnt behaviour around always feeling a little bit on edge. And I feel like it's been there for a long time. And it's funny, I mentioned that spiritual sort of coach that I've got and she made mention, I, I mentioned to her in my 20s, I partied like it was bloody 1989, right? Like, you know, it was very high highs and then very low lows in um, in feeling stressed and anxious, but then also party, party, party and have like the best time. And she mentioned something which was really interesting. She said, well, did you, have, like, it was obviously an escape for you, Leonie, because if you're having, you're drinking, you're out, you're having a good time, all of that stress that's simmering under the surface, it doesn't m make a difference to you in that moment. And hell, doesn't that feel good? So you want more of that, right? So, and you know, and it's obvious what you said that, but I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense as to why I used to, you know, be the last girl on the dance floor or whatever it looked like because I just was obsessed with the feeling of not feeling anxious and not feeling that critical mind was always staring me down and telling me I wasn't good enough. In that moment, nothing mattered but me having a good time. So, um, yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it, the way we sort of do absorb what's in our environment as children, but also we, yeah, learn these behaviours has there ever been a time for you where naturally you're going through a lot as a parent, you know, you're, you're navigating through 
just you as a person, how you show up in the world, what, you know, the anxieties, the things that you deal with, and you're just trying to navigate through it. You know, I think, has there ever been a time for you where you just felt like I am doing my bloody best and yet still I'm waking up ridiculously anxious. Still my child seems to, you know, just be not behaving still, you know, and, 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 I think as a parent also you take on that responsibility if your kid is not performing, if they're not happy or whatever it is, you know, has there been a time perhaps recently where you've felt that and just thought I'm done with this parent thing? Okay, so the one uh, the one moment that comes to mind is literally two weeks ago. Okay, so okay, so get this. So yeah, Charlie fractures his leg. I'm already like, okay, I'm a bit on edge now. We've just come off a week of gastro, so my whole week had been thrown out and now I've got this leg thing and I'm hoping it's not going to be a long-term issue and, you know, all the stresses that come along with that. Um, he's distressed. He wants to move. He can't move because of his leg. So there was a lot of, you know, and can't have crutches because, you know, obviously too young. So I'm literally carrying him everywhere. So there's a fair bit of stress involved with that. But I just remember <laughs> the day I, okay, so I went to the hospital with Charlie, emergency ward, um, you know, I'm there for hours. Thankfully I was prepared. I brought the iPad. I brought like toys. I brought a whole, like literally a kilo of snacks. Cause I was like, who knows how long we're going to be in the <laughs> hospital emergency ward for. So thankfully, cause he went through the full kilo of snacks by the time we'd left. But <sighs> long story short, I managed to get out in time of the hospital with a cast on his leg in time to make Noah's swimming lesson. So I go off to the swimming lesson now talking about how your child's behavior can impact you. Noah had, uh, he's better now, but had been going through a bit of a phase where he didn't listen. So the, during the swimming lesson, uh, I thought this only happened at home, but apparently it was happening everywhere. So during the swimming lesson, when the teachers are like, okay, over here, please, you know, everyone stand in a line, wait your turn one by one. You're going to do this activity. Um, you know, rather than wait in the line, he would just, walk away, splash really hard oh, and be like, no. out and just loving it, just loving being in the water. But all the other kids are in a line. And I remember like the, the swimming lesson before I was watching him and I, I was like, oh my gosh, Noah, get back in line. You know, and I'm trying to kind of encourage him to, you know, to behave. Anyway, then we'd come out of the hospital. We made it to the swimming lesson. I was like, Noah, you need to listen to the teacher today. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie's like upset because he's had way too much Panadol. He's got this cast on his leg. It's 70 degrees inside the swimming pool. It's the last place he wants to be, the last place I want to be. I'm barely hanging on by a thread. And then the swimming lesson kicks off. And then within 30 seconds, Noah's trying to sprint to the other end of the pool, splash, splash, splash. And I, I kept being like, Noah, like, you know, quietly like pointing to the, go, go back to the class, please. And he's just like splash, splash, splash. Anyway. Eventually, and then they'd pull him back to the class. Then he'd run off and splash, splash, splash again. Then I see this particular teacher comes up to me. So she's walking along in a huff, right? And she comes up to me. She's like, excuse me, are you, are you, she goes, are you, are you Jack's mum? And I was like, no, I'm not Jack's mum. And he's like, she's like, oh, apparently they'd been calling him Jack the whole time. They <laughs> didn't know Noah's name. So they've been screaming, Jack, Jack, and Noah's not listening. So he just keeps splashing. But anyway, she must have realized. And she's like, no, the kid over there that you, that keeps splashing. And I'm like, Noah? He's like, she's like, yeah. Oh, Jack, Noah. Okay. Yeah. Noah. Oh, sorry. I thought it was Jack. Okay. Well, and then she goes, 
in a massive huff in front of all of the other parents. She's like, I just, excuse me, I just want to let you know, okay, in a way that was like we're trying to, you know, cure world peace here and, you know, it's not happening. Excuse me, I want to let you know that his behaviour is completely unacceptable and if he continues to behave that way, we will ask him to leave the pool. Okay, so look, one more chance. It's complete. And look, if you need to speak to him, you do what you need to do, but it's completely unacceptable. Okay? And she just storms off. And I'm just like, oh my God. And all the other parents, thank God they're legends. And they were like, geez, that was a bit much. And I was like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Because I was like, I've got this kid. I've been in the emergency ward. My other kid's not listening. It's hot in here. I'm over it. Charlie's crying. You know, and so I stand up and I'm the peacemaker. So I stand up, okay, no worries. And I, I kick myself now when I'm looking at that because I should have just said to her, okay, firstly, hun, just calm down. This is a three-year-old swimming lesson. Like, we're not trying to cure world peace. And, you know, and so anyway, and I and I went to calm him down and I kind of, you know, tried to guide him as much as possible. And since then, we've been talking a lot at home about following rules and listen, listening to instructions and he's getting better. But to your point, I remember that afternoon I got home and I was just like, ah, I'm a terrible parent. My just my son's, you know, fractured his leg. The other one's not listening to anyone. So it is amazing how, yeah, what is going on with your children impacts you greatly as a parent. Mm-hmm. How can we navigate? Firstly, I just, anyway, side note on that, I'm just, my heart breaks. But how do we navigate those times as a parent where we feel like we're not good enough? I mean, red wine helps uh, <laughs> momentarily. <laughs> uh, no, look, I, I don't know, to be honest, and I feel like I, I constantly feel not enough on the daily, but that's like the story of my freaking life. And it's so frustrating because, you know, like I know that that's the thing I've got to work on, right? And I think we all, to some extent, feel a level of insecurity or whatever, comparison, envy, and you know. But certainly for me, on the daily, I'm like, I have this critical voice that says, "Well, you, mate, you're not enough. Your kids are all over the place. You haven't done a million things." Da, 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 da. So, look, I think when that critical voice creeps in, for me, it's really important. I've started journaling more recently, and that's another tool that works quite well for me too. Um, talking to other people. I mean, again, I'm so privileged through the podcast and, you know, I guess that's why, um, you know, we've, we've done quite well on the listen, listenership as well. Um, privilege in hearing other people's struggles because you know what? If you flick through Instagram half the time, you're like, Jesus, I'm, geez, I'm bloody not enough, am I? I mean, look at what she's doing or look at what he's doing. Look how perfect their kids are and look how, you know, beautiful her hair is and mine standing on one end. Like there's so many opportunities for comparison. So let's talk about the struggles, which was the premise of the podcast, but, you know, talk about it with your friends and and then you realise you're not alone. And I think that's a good place to start. I love that. I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about the relationship. So, you know, in what ways has your relationship with Jules changed since baby one to baby two, and even now as you navigate through kind of the next phase of the kids' lives. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think in relationships you start in the honeymoon phase, and I I think the honeymoon phase lasts pretty much up until you have children, or at least that was my experience. (laughs) Waking up on a Sunday, where should we go for brunch? You know, all those great things, sleeping throughout the night and all of that. But So, look, we went from that and we're quite social and we love being out at restaurants and things like that, so we had quite an active social life to baby number one, 
I mean, I think one of the reasons why I struggled so much in particular, you know, having depression and all of that was my social life was non-existent. And for me, I'm, I am an extrovert. So I get my energy from being around others. So, um, I struggled with that and with baby number one, um, that takes a toll on your relationship too, right? Because, you know, everything is so new. Um, I felt like I was almost like in captivity being home with this baby who was constantly needing me. So I was jealous that Jules was able to leave and I was, you know, stuck at home with this baby, which, you know, funnily enough, and I speak to a lot of dads as well through the podcast and a lot of couples in general, the common theme is the mothers tend to feel that way. I'm just feeling so trapped and with the baby, I I love my baby, but all of my freedom has been taken away from me. And the fathers that they're going, well, actually, I feel like I'm missing stuff. And I'm being, um, I'm stereotyping here at the moment, obviously, same-sex couples and things like that. But just regardless, one person generally has the responsibility that's more heavily weighted around looking after the child than the other. Um, So, yeah, it's interesting when you look at the different dynamics even within a relationship. And I'm sure Jules probably felt as though he was missing out on things too. But I think the relationship, the the most challenging part of all of this, one baby, two babies, whatever it looks like, is um, being okay with knowing that one of you may end up doing more when it comes to the children. And it's not about point scoring because a lot of the time we would default to that. Well, I did more on this day and you, you know, and why do I have to be more flexible and you got to go off and do this? And remember Tuesday when you go, oh, no, no, but you went for dinner on that night. That's where we got to, and we still sometimes fall back into that because we we are both trying to juggle our life outside of the children, and um, and it's a common thing that often couples will point score. So we're, we're mindful of that. We're trying to, you know, when it comes up, we, we you know, in re- resolving our conflict, we sort of we make note of that and go, you know what, it's never going to be even, even if we wanted 50-50 parenting. I don't know any relationship that's able to have that. And I've had to get okay with that in myself, knowing that during the week, if things happen with the children that I need to be there for, it's generally myself that's getting the phone call. And rather than feel resentful that I've had to drop everything and run and, hey, hubby's been able to kick on with his day like nothing matters, I've just had to get okay with that within myself. The one thing, though, that has helped me in doing that is Jules recognizing the extra work I'm doing and just saying thank you, which I still, I still, you know, have to remind him. I'm like, well, thank me, damn it. Like, you know, I had to do, you know, and so, but it's amazing that just a little thank you or a little recognition. It goes a very, very long way. I guess as a parent, you know, if you think the relationship, when we think about just being a parent in general, What's your greatest fear when it comes to perhaps your relationship, but then also the fear you may have around kids? I think um, one fear is just making sure we don't lose ourselves, we don't lose us within the chaos that that is life with children. Don't get me wrong, I'm saying chaos a lot. It is beautiful and there are so many beautiful moments and I'm so grateful. However, it is a quite a chaotic existence, at least in my experience. Um, I like things structured. It's not structured, right? Um, and so in order to kind of combat that fear, we do try to put time in the diary in which it's just 
for us. So we might have a night away or a dinner or, you know, because we like going to restaurants for other couples. It might be doing a sporting activity together, going for a massage. But, you know, carving out that time because, trust me, I mean, I see how couples, you know, I get how the divorce rate's 50 plus percent in Australia, 100%. And I speak to so many couples through the podcast as well who come to me and say, we nearly divorced. It was just too much. Like this happened and this happened. And and again, there's so many common themes through it all. So I think if you're, if you're, even if you're rock solid to begin with, it, there's always going to be so much that's thrown at you. So yeah, carve and from hearing out from our guests as well, just carving out that time. Um, because honestly, within a weekday, we might say three words to each other because we are constantly interrupted and we can barely get a conversation out with, without someone pulling at you. And imagine if you just, that was your existence. You made no time outside of that for your relationship. It would be very easy to start feeling as though you are living two completely separate lives. Then perhaps the physical attraction or chemistry starts dissipating. Then it's been six months. Then it's been eight months since you've had sex. Then it's been, then you forget how good sex was. And so you stop doing it, you know, and then it, it gets to a point of no return, or at least again, that's what I've heard. So, you know, it's hard work. All of, I mean, a relationship and marriage is a lot of work, but. I think uh, being mindful of that going into it, regardless of how rock solid you are, um, can really set people up to combat those challenges that come along the way. Mm. Was there a time recently where you just thought, I know I've got to carve out time, I get it, but I have so much going on. Really, is the relationship, like, can't we just wait till next month or next quarter? You know, how am how have you navigated through that carving out of time for yourself and then for your relationship? Yeah, I guess with the relationship piece, what's kind of great is that if we decide on a date, then we've already booked a babysitter or we've got grandparents committed. So that keeps us um, committed to that agreement because there's other people involved. I think if we didn't have other people involved, let's call it, and the kids were older, it would, and we didn't care that much about, you know, committing to it. It'd be much easier to say, oh, I'm a bit too tired to go for dinner tonight. Let's just leave it. We'll go next week. You know, so I think that's been a really good thing in a way, having to have other people, you know, keep us honest around our commitments. For myself, I think the carving out time piece is a, it, it involves a huge amount of planning. I'm a planner and I literally, if you see my diary, it's like by the minute, you know, like I like that. That gives me a level of certainty, you know, in, um, so if I plan my 15 minutes to myself and it's in my diary, then it's more likely to happen than me just having wishful thinking as I go about my day. I think that's really valuable. I think the, the personal, the personal carving out of time and whatnot. I want, I know we talked a little earlier about that personal struggle that you've been with, you know, for the parents to be out there, for the current parents, what advice would you have to them around Becoming okay with the journey that is parenthood. So Liv, my Real Talk co-host, always says, we're doing the best we can. And I think that she's like, I need that tattooed somewhere because I need to remind myself on the daily, we're doing the bloody best we can. <laughs> so look, I mean, I like that sums it up. I mean, I guess it's a reminder and it's good for me to say this now that, you know, to 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 remind myself that you are enough we are enough. 
if you don't finish all the things, if your kid has extra screen time that day, if you're feeling all over the place because you've spent a whole week at home with your child and they're sick and you haven't been to work and you've got so many competing priorities and you want, your head's about to explode and you see so-and-so on social media and they seem like their life is perfect and all of the things. Like that is just the dynamic that I think that we live in and it is really kind of sitting there going, are my kids healthy? Am I healthy and well? And let's get back down to basics and remember that all the extra stuff probably doesn't matter as much as just trying to be present in the moment and, um, yeah, and not putting too much pressure on ourselves. And it's so ironic I say that because I put so much pressure on myself that, you know, really just remembering that we're doing the best we can and whatever we've completed that day and however we've gone about that day is enough and that we are enough. And I hope that through the podcast as well, people are realizing that this, and this is why I built this resource, right? So it was to help me and it really has been a, a way of healing me and, and reminding me and having these conversations all the time with people make me feel, makes me feel really uplifted because I know I'm not alone. So, you know, for those feeling a little bit alone in their struggles, you know, you've got 65 episodes of content to listen to around other people who are also feeling that way too. Beautifully said. Thanks for having me. And um, I just have to say on a side note, your kiddos are literally the cutest things in the world, <laughs> but also you are doing a bloody great job. Oh, thank you, Michelle. Thanks for being part of the episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and share it with your friends. Want to contribute to the conversation? Hit us up on Instagram at parenthoodpod and join our Facebook group. Until next time. Thanks for listening. The Parenthood Podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we produce on, the land of the Wurundjeri people. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging.